I'm in pursuit of God. And at the same time, divine pursuit means he's in pursuit of me. And so the, today, that, uh, the thrust of my teaching is going to be uh, that he is in pursuit of you. So the whole series is called Patterns. And it's based on the idea that throughout Scripture, there are patterns that Scripture talks about, and it oftentimes leads us into things that we don't necessarily see. For example, land. God created the land. And then he, after the fall, he washed the land. And after that, he gave the land as a promise to Abraham. And after that, Jacob and Israel went into the land. And so we see this, this, this idea of a pattern of land going through there and covenant. And talked about, you know, he made a covenant with, with Adam and he made a covenant with Noah and he made a covenant with Abraham. And so we see covenant coming all the way through till we get to the new covenant which Jesus makes with us. Uh, and we have the idea of the seed, the seed going through uh, you know, right from the very beginning, there's going to be a seed uh, that's going to come forth and he's going to crush Satan. And uh, throughout the scripture, we see this idea of the, the seed and sometimes it's called the branch and sometimes it's called the righteous one. And, and when we get to Matthew, Matthew in his genealogy spells it out. This is the seed that was spoken of in the beginning. And so we see these different patterns that are uh, with us in, in Scripture. Uh, we see trees, and uh, we have a lot of metaphors about trees, beginning with the tree of life, the tree of good and evil. Uh, Jeremiah 17 talks about the tree that is planted with deep roots and then droughts and dry seasons. It, it, it doesn't need to be watered because its roots are deep, and it's all spelling different things to us uh, as we look at these different images. Uh, numbers are there throughout the scripture. Uh, I, you know, 40. Uh, it rained for 40 days and nights. Uh, Israel was in the wilderness for 40 years. Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days. King uh, David was reigned for 40 years. And so we see these different patterns that are there. And today I'm going to talk about this particular pattern, which really ties exactly with what was encouraged to you a little bit earlier, and it's called Out of and Into. Hmm. You know, most of us, and I'll speak for myself, when I find myself in a situation, you know, that's the very first thing I say, Lord, get me out of this. I don't like the circumstances. I don't like the situations. I don't like what's going on. Get me out. And God's intention, while it may be to bring you out, his intention is always to bring you in, out of something and into something. Let me uh, give you some Old Testament examples, and then we'll switch to the New Testament. We look at Noah. And in Genesis 7, it says, Then the Lord said to Noah, I want you to come into the ark, all of your household. And first of all, he had called him out of this land. You are going to be the only one, uh, and so I want you to go into the ark. And then after the, uh, after the, uh, the flood, uh, in Genesis 8, 15, and 17, and 9, 1, he says, Now I want you to go out of the ark. 
you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives, and you will bring out with you every living thing and of all flesh that is with you. And God blessed Noah and his sons, and he said to them, be fruitful and fill the earth. Go into the earth. Are you getting the pattern here? Out of, into, uh, Abraham, okay, uh, from Acts 7. And the glory of God appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, uh, before he lived in Haran, and said to him, go out of your country and your relatives and come into the land that I will show you. And then he departed from the land of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran. And we also have the same account in Genesis, which is a little bit different in uh, Genesis 11. And Terah, who was Abram's dad, took Abram his son and Lot, his son, the son of Haran, his grandson and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, and his son Abram's wife. And they went out together from Ur of the Chaldeans in order to enter into the land of, the, of Canaan. And they went as far as Haran, uh, which means parched, and they settled there. And the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Out of and into um, this account. Uh, you know that there was a, a conflict between Lot, Lot's herdsmen and Abram's herdsmen because they were fighting over pasture land. And Abram said, it's a good thing. It's better for us to separate. And so... Uh, and the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated, gone out from him, now lift up your eyes and look to the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward, for all the land which you see, and I will give it to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if anyone can number the dust of the earth, so then your descendants can also be numbered. Arise and go into the land. Walk about the land through its length and breadth, and I will give it to you. So we have this pattern of going out and in. And God never wants, when, when we ask for God to lead us out, get me out of this. He said, oh, I want to get you out, but I want you to go somewhere. I want you to lead you into something. We have Moses, and this is pretty, this is evident. And Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you went out from Egypt, from the house of slavery, for by the powerful hand of the Lord brought you out from this place. And what was his intention? His intention was, Behold, I'm going to send an angel before you to guard you along the way to bring you into the place which I have prepared. We got the pattern? Because it applies to you. Wherever you are today, whatever wall you have built up, God wants to bring you out of that wall and into a new place. We'll get there. And I just, I, numbers, and Moses is talking to, to God. And Moses spoke to the Lord saying, May the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who will go out and come in before them, and who will lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be like sheep which have no shepherd. And we have Joshua, that's who is appointed. 
And Joshua says the same thing. And now behold, the Lord has let me live just as he spoke these 45 years from the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses when Israel walked in the wilderness. And now behold, I'm 85, year old, 85 years old today and I'm still strong today as I was in the day Moses sent me. As my strength was then, so my strength is now for war and for going out and coming in. Well, Hopefully, I get the next part. How about Psalm 40? He brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay. Where did he put him? He put me on a rock, uh, upon my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. God is in the business of bringing you out, but not just bringing you out. He wants to bring you into what he has for you. From John 10. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and this is Jesus speaking, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And then he puts forth all his own, and he goes before them, and the sheep follow him into what he has for them because they know his voice. So when we bring that into New Testament language, we're looking at transformation. Who you are today, God wants to bring you, even if you think you're the most spiritual person in the world. He wants to bring you out of that and into more of what he has for you. But we all, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, with unveiled face, Beholding, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed. My question is, are you being transformed? Because God says, I want to transform you into the same image as my son, from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. And now, so I'm going to go through just a number of different intos and out-ups that are all found in the New Testament and then I'm going to unpack that just a little bit. Uh, for John 5, he's, For truly I say unto you, who, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. And he does not come into judgment, but he passes out of death and into life. And so my question is, have you passed out of death and into life? Yes, I have. I've believed in Jesus. I've passed out into one out of and into. First Peter 20. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's own possession, that you may make, proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and where? Into his light. Whoop. First John 4, 18 and 19. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. So many times we get caught up in a fear of some sort. A fear of what's tomorrow, a fear of what we've heard. And God says, I don't want you to walk in fear. I want to cast you. I want to take you out of that fear. And do you know where I'm going to put you? I'm going to put you in love. 
because perfect love cast out fear. Romans 6 tells us, knowing this, that your old self was crucified with him, that our body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, for he, for he who has died is freed from sin. You have been called out of slavery, a slave to sin, and into the freedom that Christ has for us. These are all fundamentals, out ofs and intos. Uh, old man into a new creation from 2 Corinthians. Aliens to citizens, so that you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. He's, you are no longer an alien. He's called you out of that, and he's called you into a citizenship with him. called you out of unbelief unto faith. And I particularly like this one when the Lord showed this one to me in John 20, 25. And do you remember that the Lord appeared to the, the, the apostles, the disciples, uh, and Thomas wasn't there. And Thomas, when they told him about it, he said, I don't believe it. I, and uh, we had this discussion in our, in our home Bible study this past winter. Um, you know, sometimes we say, oh, doubting Thomas. No, it wasn't undoubting. It wasn't doubting. He wasn't doubting. He said, I don't believe it. He was in unbelief. And so when Jesus appears uh, to him, he says, uh, unless I shall see his hands, the imprint of the nails, and put my fingers into the place of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And of course, Jesus does appear to him. He puts his hands in those, uh, those wounds, and he says, my Lord and my God. And he moved from unbelief to faith. And the last one that I want to talk about was Lazarus. Um, remember that Lazarus had died. And in John 11, there is, seems to be uh, some sort of a confrontation between Mary when Jesus shows up. And she says, therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him and fell at his feet saying, Lord, if you'd only been here, my brother would not have died. You can see the sorrow that she has into there. There's weeping, and they're talking about that in the passage. And Jesus said, wait a minute, I'm going to show you something. I'm going to show you something that will glorify my father. And he raised Lazarus from the dead. And can you imagine Mary and Martha, the joy that they went out from out of sorrow and into joy. Well, the one I'm going to unlock today a little bit deeper is this one that's called The Law to the Spirit. And this is from 2 Corinthians um, 3, 5, and 6. But our adequacy is from God. We have to understand that right from the beginning. It's nothing that you have done. It's everything that he has done. And he also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. And so what we have is we have this uh, apparent uh, conflict between the letter of the law and the law of the Spirit. Now, last week, Judah talked about John 4, 24, and he said, God is Spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And we've talked about truth, but let's talk about spirit for a minute. 
What do we mean by that? We're quick to say, oh, he's given us a Holy Spirit to guide us. But how, how often, if you're like me, I have a tendency to use my flesh in my decisions rather than the Spirit which he's given me. And he says, so let's take a look. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. So I've got this war, this internal, I think that's my next scripture, this internal war between my flesh and my spirit. My flesh wants to do one thing, but God's spirit which is in me says, no, I want you to listen to the spirit and walk in the spirit. And so I've got this sort of this pull that sometimes goes on. Okay, I got the flesh pulling me this way, yeah. Or then the Spirit says, no, don't want you to do that. So Romans says, for those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. Now, where's your mind set? And sometimes we have to sit back and say, you know, I have a mind that's not set on the spiritual things. I'm not looking at the things above and not the things on the earth, but I'm looking at the things on the earth and I'm looking at my situations, I'm looking at my circumstances, I'm looking at my job, my finances, my problems, and I give way to the flesh. And it says, your mind, i got to tell you something, that's set on death. Because that's the only place it leads to is anxiety, depression, hatred, anger. Whatever it will lead to, it's not going to lead to life. But the mind set on the spirit, now there is something that's life. So I want to tell you a tale of two laws for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Oh, man, I need to have that explained. Well, I, I, I want, I probably need to, this is an example, and I probably need a volunteer from the congregation who is willing to be humiliated in front of, you know, 75 people. Uh, so, can I have a volunteer? Oh, I've got one in the back there. Look at that. First hand that went up. Okay, would you come up here, young man? Yeah. Much too eager. Much too eager. <laughs> Uh, now, for those who don't know uh, who you might be, you want to tell everybody who you are? Oh, okay. All right. Okay, well, this guy up here. Here, this is the best way to do this. I want you to step, oh, step over here. No, come on, over here. Okay, come, yeah, yeah, okay. And I want you to turn around. Yep, turn around, all the way. Yep, okay, all the way. All the way, yep. That's it. 
Oh, no, 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 no. I want you to stay that way. Come on. Yeah, okay. No, back. Okay, good. Now. Turn around. Because I'm going to ask you to do something. Okay, turn around. You're okay now. You can do that now. Okay, good. I'm going to ask you to just fall backwards. Now, wait a minute. Don't do that yet because I'm not going to catch you because I might get hurt. Okay, so turn around here. Are you ready? You're going to just hover there. You're just going to hover there. Now, he's a sensible young man. And he knew that if he would give way to falling backwards, something would take place that you can't see. Gravity. Gravity. You all are subject to gravity. It's not just a good idea. It's the law. And you know, if you are up on a ladder and you reach out to get something, there is a potential consequence that you may fall and you would be subject to gravity which has got some bad consequences. Now, how do we get away from gravity? It's the law. But Paul writes, I see another law. Do you know what law I see? My heroes. Oh, by the way, I didn't tell you who this guy was. That's um, Isaac, Sir Isaac Newton. Uh, he's the guy that was sitting in the garden and he's watching the apple tree and the apple fell and he said, Eureka, we're subject to gravity. These guys found out something else, that there's another law. And you embrace it Anytime you go to Pittsburgh International Airport and you find yourself embracing the law of aerodynamics. Now, if you're going to get on a 747 that's filled with all the passengers and all the luggage, that's going to weigh about 900,000 pounds. 900,000 pounds. And you're going to get in your seat, and the pilot's going to say, buckle up, and off you go. And all of a sudden, you are no longer subject to gravity. 
because a new law has applied, the law of aerodynamics. Now, I can't begin to explain that. There's velocity and thrust and all of that. But what happens is when it's up there and it's going fast, there's a pressure that pushes up, and that's what keeps the airplane up. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. See, the law of gravity always controls you. It's the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death says, oh, let's get the flesh going. Let's get the flesh doing something. The flesh, don't you want to do that? Don't you want to do this? And you say, oh, yeah, I'm subject to this law. But there's another law. It's the law of the Spirit. And that allows you to step away from the law of sin and death. All you have to do is remember Romans 7. Therefore, my brethren, you also were made to die to the law through the body of Christ. You died to the law of sin and death, the law of the letter of the law, that you might be joined to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we might bear fruit for God. But now we have been released from the law, having died to that by which we were bound. So we serve in newness of the spirit and not in this oldness of the letter. You see, now we've become transformed. We've gone out of this law and into the law of the spirit. But unfortunately, gravity always says you you know and these are these walls that we were talking about earlier you will all you'll never get over that i'm going to hold you down and the accuser comes along and reminds you that you are under the law of sin and death because you have this law that's holding you there but you've been set free. You've been set free from that law. All you have to do is serve in the newness of the Spirit. Romans 8 goes on to say, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. You are free. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled to us who do not walk according to the flesh, but we walk according to the Spirit. Well, that all sounds pretty good. But do you walk according to the Spirit? Well, Galatians 5, 16 says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through flesh, God did, sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that by the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. 
So we have this charge and this new law that allows us to walk in newness of life, to walk in what we've been called out of, and walk into this newness of life. God gave it to us. It is ours. The problem that we have is we've got to hone ourselves into learning to listen to the voice and to walk according to what he is telling us. Well, now we're going to get some nitty-gritty. I didn't write this. Some guy did, like Paul. And he said, now the deeds of the flesh are evident. Now this is where you're going to have to do a little thinking. See whether any of these might apply to you. Which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, Jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and the things like these, which I forewarned you just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, because my flesh is fighting against it, every now and then, I might have an outburst of anger. I'm going to tell you that. My wife has probably experienced it. She's actually seen it. Usually it happens in traffic. I mean, there are other places, but that's where it's most evident. You know. Oh, and there's lots of them. You know, the light changes green five minutes ago, and the guy in the front busy texting move move I said and I'm yelling out through the he can't hear me or the guy that pulls out in front of you uh, my wife and I have this big thing about yield signs nobody yields anymore nobody yields you see this yield sign I'm driving along mm, you're supposed to yield buddy yield buddy no ah. Jealousy. I mean, we can pick any of these. We can have a good time with all of them. They got a brand new car. Look at my junker. God, why did you give them a new car, not me? I hate them. Well, I know they're my brother and sister, but they got a new car and I got this junker. We find ourselves in this fleshy mood. And God says, don't walk in that. You've been brought out of that into something new. Don't give way to it. And it's so easy to give way to it because it feels good. I guess I told him a thing or two. Don't you ever do that again, Michael. Or I'll really, you know what I'll do. Mm. Boy, I felt good. You know, but there are markers. And then Paul goes on to say, well, here's some markers. Do you want to look at some markers? 
here is something you can tell if you are walking in the Spirit. Yeah. I didn't write this. He did. Okay. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. That's okay. You go ahead of me. Even though you had a yield sign, you go ahead of me. Gentleness, faithfulness, oh goodness, gentle, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Again, it says there's no law. That's because you're walking in the Spirit. If you walk in the Spirit, if you live, in, if you live by the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. God has not left you without a helper. He's given you the Holy Spirit. He's filled you with his Spirit. And he says, now I want you to walk out of the flesh, out of the law, because you can. You are no longer subject to the law of gravity. You now have a new law. It is the law of aerodynamics. I'm going to play with that one more time yet before I'm done today. I am the vine, Jesus 15. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. He is the gravity buster. I get on the airplane. I don't need to refuel because I'm attached to him. And because I'm attached to him, I bear the fruit. The fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 6.4 But let each one examine his own work. And then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone. And not in regard to another. And this is where... The rubber hits the road. See, I could be quick. To, I'm going to pick on Michael here. He's, he's down front. and I, Jameson helped me with the, the, the water today, so you're free. Okay. You know. Oh, did you do the water too? Well, I didn't. I'm sorry, then I must be more kind and gentle to you, okay? <laughs> Kelly! <laughs> See, it's easy for me to see the flaws in my Christian neighbor. Huh. They're not humble like me. God says, you want to measure whether you're walking in the Spirit. Well, take a look at the fruit of the Spirit. Are you, are you developing love and kindness? And patience and goodness and faithfulness. Are these, are these evident? And you just need to do that yourself. And then you say, Lord, I see all these walls. Tear them down for me. Let me walk in newness. Let me come out of that into what you have for me. John 6, 63 and 64, Jesus says, It is the Spirit who gives life. 
the flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. Now that seems a little strange, words being spirit. But we have to understand that whenever you open your Bible, or your iPad, or your phone, or whatever, okay? I, I get confused on all of that. You're looking at spiritual, and he who is spiritual discerns spiritual. God is wanting to speak to us through life in his word. He says, if you, want, if you want to walk in the spirit, you can look into my word. My word is spirit, and it gives life. Don't neglect it. Walk in it. And take, take account. Am I walking in the spirit? Or am I giving way to the flesh? If we live by the spirit. You know, you, have you have, if you've been born again, God placed his spirit into you. That's this Nicodemus. How can a man be born again? Because God brings life into you. And when you have said, I surrender to you, Jesus Christ, I give my life that you may lead me. And when we make that, he fills us with his spirit. And we come to life. And he says, if you live by that, that new spirit, then let's make sure you walk by it and not by the flesh. Now we have received, 1 Corinthians 2, 12 to 15 says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God that we might know the things freely given to us by God. See, you've been, you've, been, you've been no longer an alien, but you're now a citizen. You're no longer lost, but you're now found. You've been called out of darkness into light. You've been called out of death into life. Walk. Because God wants to show you things in the spirit which things we also speak not in words taught by human wisdom but in those taught by the spirit combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words natural man does not accept the things of the spirit of God for they are foolishness to him and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised for all who are led by the spirit of God these are the sons of God so, out of and into. What does God want to bring you out of and into? And again, our sister this morning talked about that wall that's there. Those things that you know they're there. God knows they're there. And he says, I, I, I want to bring you out. I just don't want you to get rid of it. Get me out of this. I want to bring you into what I have for you. I want to bring you into life. I want to bring you into this walk in the spirit where there is the manifestation of a walk in the way God has intended for you to walk in this new creation you're in. 
And you have to ask yourself, what does God want to bring me out of and into? Well, I can't answer that for you. But if you spend one minute to 11.20 and ask him, he's probably going to tell you. So let's spend a minute and ask him. turned it off. Father, as we close this day, this time, we are grateful for the blood of Christ that has redeemed us, that has brought us out of death into life. Lord God, you have called us to walk in this place down here, that we might bear fruit. We might bear fruit to God. Teach us your ways, Lord. Help us to walk in those things that you have. Teach us to open those walls to you, Lord, and say, tear them down, Lord. Break them apart that I may walk in what you have for me. Walk in this new land, this new life. We're thankful for the blood of Christ that has cleansed us and has brought us into the law of the Spirit. We glorify your name and give you thanks because of him. Amen. <laughs>